0: Hello everybody. And welcome to the Attractions Group Podcast. I'm Don Helbig alongside as always with Ryan Sir. Ryan, how's it going as we prepare here for episode number 39 of the Attractions Group Podcast.
1: 39. God, I feel like I I, I thought we were closer on a year, but I was looking back at the archives and I think we're not until about June do we hit a year, but, uh, 39 that's, that's incredible that we've made it this far and no blood has been shed yet. But uh, uh, yeah, so uh, warm summer day here at uh, Castle Ryan here in Northern Kentucky, and it's it was 78 degrees today, so I am in a dandy mood. How are you, Don?
0: Doing great. Same thing with you. The warmer it is, the better I feel.
1: Exactly. Awesome. Cool. Well, just as a reminder, um, so for those of you who are watching the show for the first time, welcome. Uh, if you're listening to us via the audio version, uh, welcome as well, but make sure that you subscribe on YouTube because... I mean, we're pretty handsome people, first of all. And secondly, we do release some exclusive content on YouTube occasionally. So don't miss out. We talked about Dream More. We talked about the Hatfields and McCoy's Dinner Feud Show, uh, Dollywood, all sorts of stuff on some exclusive content last week on the YouTube channel. If you're watching YouTube, then cool. You're one step ahead of the game. But if you prefer audio, we can be found on your favorite podcast apps. And if you want to keep up with the news, we've been going hard on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP.
0: Yeah, it's been great to see the engagement that we've had over the past couple uh, weeks on our Twitter. We're now over 500 uh, followers. So, uh, you know, tell a friend about uh, the Attraction Group podcast, you know, ask them to subscribe, ask them to follow us. And uh, we got some really good things planned in the weeks ahead. Uh, Ryan, what we got going on tonight? Well, we've got an old
1: friend of mine on the show. Uh, we've got Brandon from Theme Park Predictions, and uh, I've known Brandon since about 2004. Uh, so without further ado... I want to introduce to you Brandon from Theme Park Predictions. How's it going, Brandon?
2: You know, it's great day in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's like 82 degrees here, so it's a little bit warmer than uh, Northern Kentucky. But other than that, it's uh, it's great. Carowinds is open this week for spring break. We've been there like three times so far. The park gets rides on Woodstock Express and uh, what's it called? Eat some good food at the the park. So it's been a it's been a solid sol- a solid.
0: That's
1: awesome. I love it. I love to hear that.
0: Well, Brandon, let's talk about theme park predictions. How did you get started with that? Did you launch the channel or did you join in progress? Or you know, just kind of give us a little bit of a backstory there.
2: Okay. Yeah, of course. So I've always loved the philosophy of like, because I've worked in the parks for years and I've always loved like, you know, in Kings Island, my home park growing up. So like when they built, you know, Italian Job and then Son of Beast and all these other major rides, I always loved the philosophy of, why did they build that ride in that location and you know what what other rides could they have built so that's kind of where it stemmed from of you know just kind of sharing my crazy ideas of you know predictions that are realistically based and just just kind of you know share my imagination with hey this is what this park could get think about it could it happen maybe maybe not and I started it like right after like right when the COVID hit uh i it was closed all year and there was no sports and i was stuck at home with the baby and my wife and i'm like i'm gonna go through a major depression and if i don't do something and i've already watched like all the other big youtubers and like the coaster content it was like hey by the way if they can do it i can do it so i just picked up my earpods at the time and started doing crappy videos and Got some momentum, then I upgraded my equipment, one thing after another, and I'm very, very blessed. It took off. It took about two months to get monetized, and that makes my wife happy, as Ryan knows my wife. Uh, she's an accountant, so money's very important to her as far as numbers go, <laughs> so yeah. I was very, 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 very blessed to be able to uh, you know, share my passion, and, and really, as the channel grows, I'm more focused on just a positive space in the community and helping the parks out, growing the community, getting people excited to go to the park. And anything I could possibly do to help, uh, I do it. So, Awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's a sad day and a perfect description of COVID when it's like I ran out of YouTube to watch. <laughs> That's absolutely yeah. cool. So, uh, Brandon, Very you absolutely. know, like I said, I, you know, I've known you for quite a while. And um, I remember uh, talking to you at a park uh, a couple years ago and you were really excited to tell me that you had gotten your first like meaningful paycheck from YouTube because you mentioned that you you were monetized. Uh now you're up to like 28,000 yeah. subscribers. What what would you yeah, attribute to, uh, the growth to? Cuz that's a substantial amount of growth in a short amount of time.
2: Uh you know, it really took off last year uh around the the big uh, Stratacoaster up at Sea, C- where I just started speculating on stuff, and what I do with my channel is I, I really focus around the whole, you whole know, like, what if? Like, could this happen? You know, there's other channels out there that says, "Well, I'm hearing this, or this is my source telling me this," and I'm like, you know, could this happen? Could it not? Here's what I'm thinking: is it's a possibility, and so that really, uh, really spiked my uh, viewership and everything else last summer, and then. My recommendation guides really do well for me. Where I do like how to have the best day at Kings Island or Cedar Point, etc., and those do really well because people are always looking for you know tips and tricks on how to visit the parks. And then it just came down to you know creating interesting content uh, that I find fun. And I use my imagination with like drawings of where roller coasters can go for parks. And you know I think the ones are like. Dollywood, anything Dollywood related, Cedar Point, Universal, Kings, you know, it's going to do well. Busch Gardens, as far as viewership goes, you know, that's why I really don't do a eight-minute video on, let's say, Frontier City in Oklahoma. You know, people aren't really going to. No offense to that park, it's a great little park, but it's just not really what people want to hear, I guess. So it it really took off last summer. And it's going strong this year, and I'm very, very excited for the future of the channel. And the meaning of it, the whole keep riding coasters has really, like, I just started saying it just to say something at the end of the videos. But now it's, like, I use it in my daily life of, hey, keep riding coasters. I can do this. I'm having a bad day. Let's go. And then I've had other subscribers, dozens and dozens of people come at me and say, hey, you know, that that slut – your little slogan or you're saying at the end of the video really help life, you know, get through a bad day or I'm battling a medical issue, but I keep riding coasters. I'll get better. You know, I want to get back on coasters. What do I have to do it? Do I need to lose weight? Do I need to do this? Uh, so it's really taken on its whole own meaning, which is really cool for me because I've always loved helping people. Um, so it's, it's really just been a blessing for me because I, not only do I get to share my, content, uh, ideas and predictions with the world. I also get to share that I, I've always been a very caring person and help people out. Uh, you know, Whether I know you or not, I always want to be, be a positive influence.
0: Yeah, that's great to hear that you want to be that kind of uh, influence with people. Uh, let's talk about your videos. Um, how do you draw inspiration for what you're going to do? And have you found like a sweet spot in the length of a video? How long people will stay with a video?
2: Yeah, so it just comes down to as far as it's like the average retention rate on a YouTube video, like I've done so much research, it's like a good is like 50%. It, and it's crazy. It's like people, that means people really only watch four minutes of an eight-minute video. But a lot of people click on the video, maybe it's a bot, maybe it's a person to click to, then they, then they um, you know, back out of it and go watch something else. That's why usually, pretty much every video, no matter what genre, no matter what creator, that first like four or five seconds, you get a lot of drop off. Um, So, which is fine, it's normal. So, I try to, I try my goal is around 50 to 55 percent retention rate, Um, and that's pretty normal for any type of uh, videos. It's just a matter of trying to get to the point as quickly as you can in the video. Past videos. Um, I remember I did a Carowinds 10-year prediction video. I don't have it up anymore, like two and a half years ago. And I meant I went back to listen to four minutes of just me talking about the park before I even got to the year, uh, the first prediction for that first year. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I've got to just cut everything thin and just go right to the point. And that's why I don't have an intro. Um, normally in my videos, I'll say, Hey, it's theme park predictions. My name is Brandon. Uh, to kind of make it more personal, more one-on-one, uh, but I, I, a lot of other content creators have intros, and it works for them. But I do, I, I've just i just done the research where if you have an intro, where whether it's four seconds, ten seconds, or longer, it's going to drop off so it's the intro, so they'll skip over it, which affects your retention rate. Um, and then what was your first question, uh, Find just kind of like your
0: inspiration for creating a video, you know, like when you're you're sitting down, you know, you're going to do one, but kind of like, you know, how do you visualize, you know, conceptualize, you know, how do you go about that?
2: I, I start with the idea in my head, whether it's something I'm just, you know, reading on Screamscape or I see something on Twitter or, you know, just, hey, you know, what? I need to do a video about this park um and then i take it to uh, usually do a thumbnail first to kind of get the graphic because thumbnails are so important where i spend sometimes an hour on a thumbnail uh and then i I go into the obviously the writing process and and if i drawings i do on my videos or if it's just going to be b-roll or if it's going to be me talking on the camera um i'm trying a lot of different things because as having two kids now my life's a lot busier, so I still want to produce the same amount of content. And not many, uh, I watch a lot of YouTube personal, uh, like, you know, uh, commentators on YouTube, and they have, they're have they on camera for the whole entire time. And I'm like, okay, well, I can mix that in, kind of have a, a hybrid method of, you know, B-roll and about this where I'm sharing my emotions with you. And it's more of a one-on-one personal approach. So I really like doing that just because it kind of, Takes the best of both types of videos into one. But I really, you know, I think that's really how I found my sweet spot. And now I'm just basically just creating now. I don't really have any, I need to do this or I need to find a way to do this. Like I already have my, this is my niche. And it's been a blessing.
0: Yeah, that's the hardest part sometimes, it's just finding what your niche is.
2: It is, and it took a while. You know, I've been doing this since March of 2020, and actually, I started. All, I, I I had this Florida business, it's a website I did for travel to Florida. Ryan I knows do. more about it. I did it for like four or five years, and it didn't really make a whole lot of money because I'm not a huge salesperson. I might be like, "Hey, you need to buy this now." Like, "Hey, do you want to buy this package on my website?" Yes, you know, no. Um, <laughs> so I started the I started the channel because. Uh, I was taking a walk with my wife, Caitlin, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to do a YouTube channel I'll talk about my predictions for parks because I love that again. And I've always loved to be like in Rob Decker's position, you know, be in charge of a big chain of, okay, what parks need what and why it makes sense, when it can be built, you know, et cetera. But then I realized I don't want to deal with the corporate, you know, all that. It's just too much, and I want to be able to share my ideas to about every park, not just you know Cedar Fair or Six Flags. Um, but I started the channel back in August of that year of not 2019, I believe. I did like four or five videos, then I just stopped and I focused on. It. And then I didn't pick. I picked it back up, and obviously COVID, and you know, got my viewership up and everything else but i i kicked myself in the butt for not starting in august of that year because you never know where i'd be now but everything happens for a reason yeah, don't it disagree
1: does. actually a uh, couple thoughts first of all don and i have also had the discussion of why didn't we start this during covid
2: because yeah. we probably would be uh multi you were talking about it for a while though i remember we were in line for banshee And you mentioned something about a podcast. I'm like, yeah, you should definitely do that. I think Ryan and I
0: have kind of kicked it around for what, Ryan, since 2009 or 10, something like that. We would be doing something together like this. Yeah.
1: I think the original thought was we should do like a, like a coaster podcast, like after you retire, we were thinking like years in advance. And then it came down to, well, everybody does that. Why don't like you've got in-park expertise. I've got um, annoying in park expertise. So why don't we, we do one that's a little bit more business oriented. So I like our take is a little bit different from being not necessarily. I mean, think of like Dennis Spiegel, the, I am for fun podcast. That's the closest one to ours because his is a little bit more on the educational side, but it's also like very, very techie on the edge, on the educational side while ours is, um, like fun, but also like, you're going to, you're going to learn something, or we're going to hear what this person has to say, which is, you know, why you're on, you know, but, um, yeah, we talked about starting this a lot earlier, uh, or if we had started a lot earlier, but, you know, hindsight's of course, 2020, but, you know, you mentioned putting yourself on camera and, and I remember you put that out on, on social and I made a mention of like, absolutely do it because with my personal experience, uh, there's a, uh, a, a sports, uh YouTube Don have you heard of 5 points vids have either of you guys heard of him Yes so he makes the best con- okay not for kids necessarily but he makes the best funniest sports content and sometimes it's talking about like actual sports and other times it's like the five worst arenas in the NBA or whatever you know so all sorts of stuff not now- unlike your substack Don really in terms of like it can be about the building or the team or one player you know but um so I watched him casually and then he started putting himself on camera Just every once in a while and I started to feel like I knew him at that point so I was became more loyal to like oh he's got a new video up I want to watch that so um and and
2: to into that point that's it's crazy because I'm very recognizable now when I go to the parks which is great because I like I'm approachable person I'm a personal person you know I love people coming up to me and saying hey it's you know and when I went down to the fun spot area force one opening and and I t- I said I had like 50 about 50 people came up to me, with my buddy Matt, who tags along with a lot of the stuff I do now, um, he was like, no, Brandon, it was like 100 100 150 people went up to you and and, and said hi. I'm like, really? I was just in the moment and stuff. It, 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 it's really wild because I guess it's my voice or my face because I could be in my non merchandise or non you know branded material and people still recognize me. It's just it's crazy, but I think a lot of it's by putting my face on the camera, which I've been doing now for maybe two or three months now, uh, which is nice because, again, like you, like you said, Ryan, it makes it more personal, and you feel like you know that person, and uh, it's, it's, it's definitely
1: – it's right. A well, cool. and you also have and a personality where you can tell that if somebody came up to you and you, you wouldn't be a jerk to them or anything. Um, and, and I can attest to what only you're saying to you. only to you, only to me. I, we, our whole circle of friends were convinced for about five years that he and I didn't get along because we give each other so much to, <laughs> but um, so I, I can attest to it because he came to town for Winterfest. And I remember you had a bunch of people coming up saying like, you're Brandon, aren't you? And then you're like, this is Ryan from the Attractions Group podcast. And like, oh, you're Don's co-host. <laughs> anyway, look, back to, back to the point here. So here's a really good question for you, Brandon. And this is something I was I was going to text to you, but I figured I'd save it for the show. So the other day... Uh, Universal sure. announced that um, you know Poseidon's Fury is going to be uh, you know decommissioned, which is a sad day because I freaking love that that ride.
2: We're gonna. It, was, it yeah it, with with the wa- what's it called the um, water thing the water feature, the the water tunnel. You might know the name. Yeah, the water tunnel. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't operating with that for a while. I think it is now, but for a while there, it wasn't yeah, doing when, when it. When Don it just, and, and I went right through it. it
1: in November during IAPA it was operating. So, But but here's my question, Brandon. So they announced that, and as soon as they hit send on the press release, you had a video up predicting what was going to replace it. How did you do that? Are you responsible for Poseidon's Fury going away, or did you have this one in your pocket or what? (laughs)
2: Because I forget how that video came about. I think I was talking to someone, just a buddy of mine, and we were just talking about like, what would Universal add next, and Zelda, pop, I think that was Todd. Yeah. Uh, and we like, you know, maybe Zelda, or, you know, just briefly talk about the Nintendo, because that's such a huge, um, I, as this movie just came out, which we just took Mason to, and he loved it. I mean, that movie's massive. So Nintendo's a huge IP, and I just think it would be, really smart for them to do the same harry potter approach where sparks where you have one section here one section of this park and then obviously epic when it opens in 2024 2025 uh in my opinion it's a no-brainer because you're going to bring a lot more people in to buy multi-day tickets that are going to go to islands or you know universal that they did in the area there so i just is like you know if they tore poseidon's down this area is massive Obviously, the uh, Simbad stunt show is not. They don't have that any, mm. anymore. The venue's still there, mm. and I just kind of was like, okay. I also have to make it so my 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 videos appear uh So I'm like, let's let's do a coaster. You know, obviously, could it be uh, what type of coaster? And I'm like, you know, maybe it's a wing coaster. Just a, it probably isn't. But I figured that's a really cool marketable ride that they can that florida does not offer that offers you know good capacity it's really them and if it's a launched one like thunderbird we know that's like the best one so i just kind of tell it back to how i build my videos it just kind of one thing led to another and i'm like okay here's how and i took a graphical image of the area and i kept mythos in place and how can this ride you know be based around this uh Area and, and interact with the, the you know the midways and then still have room for another dark ride uh, where Poseidon's building currently sits and it was it was a really cool video and it did really well for me now It's doing even better because I am NOT responsible for that. I promise but it's really uh it's it's a cool It's a cool concept. I'm actually working on a video for USF now uh kind of similar might not be Nintendo based uh, just because I'm really when i first started the channel i was kind of worried about focusing on the florida parks because there there's so many other people doing it but then i kind of broke through a few of them um i did one like two a year and a half ago that I did really well uh it just kind of made me want to do another one for this area and I, it's it's done really well so i'm excited to get back into the florida market with my theme park predictions and, and everything else since it's obviously Florida's the mecca.
0: It certainly is. Uh, you know, Brandon, a couple of weeks ago, you were among those that attended Media Day for Air Force One at Fun Spot Atlanta. Uh, from what I've seen on social media, Ryan's seen on social media, it's open to rave reviews, but uh, we want to hear what your thoughts are on it.
2: Well, I mean, their little hurricane coaster is even better. It's like this gen- up metal steel coaster that oh my god it hurts uh no air force one is really really good uh I, um jeremy from buckeye coasters ryan and don you might be familiar with them they do a lot of oh, kings very island stuff yeah and jeremy used to work at king's island when i did he worked the eiffel tower and i think hb back in paramount days um but anyways he was down there and he sent me a video as we were driving down from Charlotte that morning. I'm like, holy crap, this thing is hauling. And it's like 10 A or 9 a.m., whatever time it was. And so then it's like, okay, this thing I knew fun Spot would probably run it as good as they could, knowing that it's fun, this big corporate, you know, park that's you know, more strict, I guess. And so I've like, I'm sure they have the possible. and doing it, doing it whatever they can to make this ride run as quickly as it possibly could. And then we got there, and it was a nice day, probably 75, 80 degrees, and we got the back row, because I'm an RMC back row guy. You'll find me in a back row app for every RMC, usually. Did the back row, and we got off, and I'm like, you know, I've been on like 14 RMCs, and this is good, but it's like middle of the pack. I was a little little disappointed, just because I figured it would be so much better. So we get back in line, just like everyone else was doing, and we got front row. And then it's like, oh, this is more my style of ride now. And then as the day progressed, because I'm going middle, back, front, everywhere. And the, the we had such a great night. I got probably 25 rides in that night. And then the next day, we went over to Six Flags over Georgia. And I love that park, but I always have a Six Flags day there. And after, like, Goliath and Twisted Cyclone was only running one train on Saturday, their flash pass was $150. bucks. i am like, you know, I'm not not spending that much money to one train operations on the two biggest rides so we spent like three hours there went to an early went to an early dinner with uh ryan big dave remember big dave uh, Ryan right yeah, for my big, wedding
0: uh, yeah
2: That's yeah so we, so we met him at a steakhouse and then we're like we're gonna go back to six flags because we want to do the scream uh sp- Scream break uh, halloween event whatever it is to do some haunted houses and get some night rides but we're like well, let's get back to fun spot we have the annual pass and it just Air force one was that good where we went there that night got there like 7 30 got 10 more rides on it and it just solidified it as it, it's so good i mean there, it's it's like iron Wazi, where there's no bad parts of the ride uh everything is phenomenal from the first drop to the raven tr- trust tr- dive to the stall that was probably one of my favorite elements then the outward bank Turn, I think it was totally uh, underrated because you get it just, it's like Steel Vengeance, but you, what I like about it, it, tucked back to the left at the very last second, but you see the brake run right there. So it's like, not a head chopper, but you feel like you're going to fly right into it. It's just, it, it, overall, it's it's my number three, and I've been on like 420 some coasters, I believe. Uh, and it's, um, it's the second best RMC out there. Don't let the size fool you if you're questioning that. And I, I, what I tell people is, get there and you know spend spend a couple of hours there. You know ride it as, as it warms up as the evening goes on. Because by nine o'clock, eight o'clock, even ten o'clock, the night rides were just um, unbelievable. And oh, it, yeah, it's it's so good. So sorry for rambling. I'm just I mean I'm thinking about how much fun I had texting all my friends I was with. I'm like, man. I need to get back down there. I need some more Air Force One in my life, and I won't even bother with over Georgia. Just get me on Air Force One. It's great, and it's yeah, re-ridable, which is crazy because a lot of RMCs, as you know, it's hard to sometimes re-ride constantly. But it's really
1: good. Well, eventually, well,
2: it looks beautiful.
1: Yeah, I don't think that there's any like size like that. Looks too small. It looks incredibly intimidating. Yeah, it, it's it beautifully really, designed my, too. You know, it is.
2: It is now my only. um my only, um, what's it called? My only complaint would be the ending. Same reason why I don't really care for Steel Vengeance ending, where the, the three or four or five bunny hills that just pop you up real fast. Ugh, you know.
1: Yeah, that's
2: Ryan, uh, you were there. We, we, we wrote. I was there, I think, your first time riding with our group of guys um, back in 2018. But Air Force One has that little bit more intense ejector. That's my only complaint. I'd much rather have like two, maybe like a wave turn than a bunny hill instead of like the four or five back to back to back. But again, uh, it's it's so good. We w- I, we all enjoyed it. It's just I'm not a huge fan of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, but what, what ride is going to be, you know, canonically perfect? You know, it's it's fair to have a critique. And, you know, and I would say with Steel Vengeance, i i agree like i i do not like that part of the ride but the rest of the ride is an 11 out of 10 it, it, it's you know? a
2: great i love steel vengeance don't get me wrong mm-hmm. it's a fantastic coaster i just sometimes like mr our, our good friend todd he's the one that complains about the endings of some of some of the rmcs how it's like they just try to do too much and i'm like i don't really think so but then i got to riding like wicked cycle or Wicked. uh and Wicked Cycling at New England, I'm like, wait a minute. I think Todd's on to something here. And then, like, Lightning, lightning or Storm Chaser down in Kentucky Kingdom. And then it's like, you know, I can see it. But at the same time, like, I just enjoy it. And then, but yeah, it's, it's so good. You guys got to get down to Air Force 1. Support the park because I, I love the owner of what he does and his vision. And I know there's big things coming to all the Fun Spot parks in the future. So it's very cool. Yeah, I mean, I
1: vouch for the, um, the Aerie family as well with some business dealings, not involving them, uh, down South, they've helped my previous and current company out several times. So couldn't find nicer people, uh, Brandon, you know, we kind of touched on this earlier, but you do have a history you've worked at several theme parks, talk about your experience working at theme parks and you know, what do you draw from that to, to make your videos nowadays?
2: Yeah, so I started off in two thousand and four at Kings Island, as operator of the Beast and the Flying Eagles. Uh, had a it was interesting. I didn't really have the best first few months. I got a couple points at the. I think there was a point method back then, and I remember getting sat down by I think Jessica Naderman, who is now the GM over at Dorney Park, and she's like Brandon and my supervisor Josh Josh Page they like, Brandon, you got to work on your attendance. You can't be late anymore. I wasn't, like, not calling in. I was just always late. And I'm like, all right, let me focus here. I was 21. I, want, I need to be more professional. Then I wasn't late anymore the rest of the year, and I didn't get fired, of course. Got promoted to be a supervisor at Whitewater Canyon in 2005, and then went to Six Flags New England for an internship in 2000. Went back there in 2007 as the rides um, – ride operations trainer so i would basically do like the gen general certification training for everyone operations uh before they obviously they went out to their rides and then i uh said you know i don't like new england that's where i met my wife at the time i broke up with her as i moved to florida with our good buddy todd and uh started working at SeaWorld and did operations as a supervisor down there for two years and then got out of the business for a few years and then Went back to work at Universal as a vacation uh, planner, if you will, at the on-site hotels at the Royal Pacific and, and Portofino and Hard Rock, basically like selling theme park tickets and talking about the parks. And I was at the lobbies of the hotels. So I have a lot of operation experience, a lot of training experience, and then the, uh, what's it called, the experience of you know promoting the parks and selling the tickets and being knowledgeable on that front. So it's 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 been a huge blessing, honestly, as the parks are battling staffing right now, more so than ever before. I'm like, I want to go back to work in a park so bad to help and just to just to help mold people and to bring the crew morale up and just to have that way that guest coming to the park isn't gonna be mad if that ride's closed or if that stands not you know in operation. But, you know, I have two kids and I have YouTube channel, so I can't do that. But I can still promote the parks. But working in the parks, if you're thinking about working at the parks, do it. It's the best decision ever. I created, like, a 13-minute video a while back, a few months back, on my channel explaining all the benefits of working at a park. Uh, really hoping that people Google, you know, should I work in a theme park? If it helps one person grade or five or, you know, just to get help. I, again, I... I the parks are my life. I have my family, then I have theme parks. So, I will do whatever I can to help promote the parks and, you know, make sure they're, they have a future because that's what brings me joy and happiness.
0: Yeah, Brandon. When you look at uh, the prediction business, it's kind of an empty canvas because you can pretty much make a prediction about anything. You look at how many parks there are in North America, you know, around the world. You know how many rides yeah. there are. I mean you can, everything can be a prediction about how long it's going to last, what's going to replace it, whether they're going to build here, empty land, whatever it is. So for you, how do you go about making, you know, deciding what your predictions are going to be like on a weekly or monthly basis?
2: Yeah, so normally, like, for my video, write out some ideas of, okay, most of my prediction videos are going to be coaster related because that's what people want to see. So I'm not going to spend eight minutes talking about a a new, you know, flat ride from Zamperla going into King's Island, you know, even though it's a great addition, I'm so happy. And I love it. It, I made like a four minute video about it because there wasn't as much to cover and really nowhere. So I really didn't have a chance to predict anything, which is great. Um, but normally I just, just jot some ideas down and just looking at, you know, what, what chains the parks have been working with, you know, like six flags you know they're working with a lot with r m c okay a lot of the single roller coasters or hybrid coasters um and then kind of go with that approach molding it after what are the, what the other parks in the chain have gotten the that last few years um or then I'll just kind of like for you know cedar point you know I've, I've been predicting a while the next coaster could potentially be a mock um, something from mock spinner. And because I've been on Time Traveler, I love Time Traveler at Silver Dollar City. And I know Copperhead's done really well for Carrowing because I'm there 80 times a year. Uh, And I know the relationship is strong. So, you know, it just, in my opinion, makes sense. So I can't route or then I'll throw in the curveball and think, okay, well, maybe we can get us or maybe we can have – this type of coaster come over that we've seen overseas, you know, to bring something new to this area, whether it's, you know, Dollywood, you know, building a 300-foot-tall dive coaster with the train, you know, it's a really cool, it, it's, it's great because I I get to share, again, my imagination and my ideas and people enjoy it, but then it's also, I I, I started a prediction channel, the, the word during the pandemic, as we all know, parks were not announcing anything. Uh, so it, it was like, this is not good for me. <laughs> I got to figure out how I'm going to make this, you know, grow when, when, there was no real news coming out from parks. So that was when I really had to do like where I, I my, 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 first video that really kind of took off Cedar point where, where's the, uh, like the five, five best spots to build the next coaster. And I just went through Google maps and the coaster here, and I kind of outlined the area area of how we're, how big it could be type of thing and that that concept really did me well the first you know for the channel and then now of course we have speculation we have announcements like it's it's it, i'm just very very happy to see the industry rebound as quickly as they did from covid and being shut down uh for for a long time so cool. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, Parks certainly made announcements in 2020. They just weren't the kind of announcements that really got people excited. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. That's true. All right. That's um, true. So, um y- you know, y- you make all these predictions and um you know, you're you're not necessarily in the business of um you know, I've I've heard this or whatever. It's more like a coaster could fit here or whatever you know it's more like your creativity as far as your approach with that being said have you ever calculated what your what your batting average is like what your success rate is when you've been right about something or at least close
2: yeah started it two years ago i did like i think i was like 20 things would happen in 2023 or 2022 and then i went back this year and I counted up how many that came true, and it was like 50%, which is really really good. I mean, this is just my ideas and predictions, so I'll take 25% even. Um, but it was around the 50% mark. And so I did another one for things i 23 with, and I in my intro, I said, you know, last year I had X amount of right on the same type of video format, now let's see how many I'm gonna get right this year, uh, which is great. and. And what you said earlier, too, just a second ago, is, you know, I get told a lot of things, whether they're true or not. Um, I've been in the industry now since 2004, so I do know a lot of people from a lot of, I never worked for Cedar Fair, flying like SeaWorld, and, um, what is it, Paramount, Paramount's <laughs> uh, no go now, but I mean, I, I have I have people that tell me anything, and I I'd rather keep a friendship than making money off a video of something, you know, just because um, I I don't want to get anyone in tr- trouble for their career wise or anything like that. But it's it's just def- definitely fun to take my ideas, whether I know they're right or wrong, and just kind of share to the world of you know the possibilities.
0: Well, you hit around fifty percent. Uh, you know, if you were a baseball player with that kind of an average, you'd be making around fifty million dollars a year.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Now, who knows what this year will bring? But you know, again, it's, it's just it's fun, you know. And I and it, I created a nice niche because you have all these great other YouTubers like El Toro, Ryan, Airtime Thrills, and they all do their their own thing. And so I wanted to have my own niche, and that's why the prediction aspects really really done well for me. Um, because because there was nothing else really like it that only focuses on on predictions. Well, now I do more than just predictions, but at the time being, it really made me stand out more.
0: Now let's talk about building and maintaining relationships with the different parks around the country. How do you go about doing
2: that? Uh, just positive, you know, uh, word of mouth. You know, getting out there and and not 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 bashing. The I've seen a lot of other content creators, whether it's on YouTube or Twitter or anywhere else, just, oh, uh, you, sh- you shouldn't visit this park. Someone made a video that, don't visit Cedar Point in 2020. And I'm like, now why would you do that? You know, without these open, we don't, we, we I can't do this. So I need to do whatever I can to promote the parks. And if I have an issue at the park, I'll go to the park directly and say, hey, by the way, I just want to let you know, this is what's happening here. You know, just kind of give them a, a heads up type of thing, but you know, just creating that positive space and um, the whole recommendation. I love helping people, so I, I bounced around ideas to have a second channel called Theme Park Recommendations, and I did it for a while, but I just merged everything back to the predictions because it's just too much for me and it was a lot. So this way, I can do everything under one platform, but I. My I love the recommendation aspect just as much as the predictions, because I get to help people have a better time at the park, which means they'll spend more money for the parks, which also means they'll go back to the park, visit again, and most importantly, word of mouth, hey, to go home to their family and say, we had a great time, you know, at uh, Silverwood in Idaho, you guys got to go to this park and check it out, you know, type of thing, so... I've been invited to some media days and always do vlogs and, and promote the parks, and I care Ones you know, particularly, I retweet a lot of their stuff and like a lot of their stuff, and I know a lot of the people up there, so it's nice to, you know, they, they know to get a positive experience with me that's going to, you know, promote the parks in the best way possible.
0: Yeah, you go about it that way, I mean, you know, you're going to have a lot of value for parks.
2: Well, that's the goal. I mean, uh, again, I hate not being working. I actually went to Carowinds yesterday with El Toro Ryan. Uh, first time meeting him. Great guy, by the way. That was really cool to hang out with him for a few hours. And he has a, obviously, he's a much larger larger channel than just does fantastic work. But uh hung out with him, and I told him, he, him and I both worked in the parks. And I'm like, do you miss it? And he's like, yeah, in ways. I'm like, yeah, I do too. And I'm like, but now it's, I, I don't want to work in the parks. At least I can help the parks with the YouTube channel to promote the parks, you know? So at least I'm doing my, am not physically employed by the park, but you know, again, I, I, I eat, sleep and, and everything else theme parks. So I, it, it, it's, it's really a blessing.
1: You know, Brandon, um, when we talk about your, your particular brand, your niche, you know, when we talk about, uh, Predictions, and this is kind of hitting back to what I was asking you before. um There's a million YouTubers out there that have been like, I, "I've heard from my friends at Zamperla that this is happening, or whatever." Um, yeah. So I know that you're you you've stated yourself that y- your predictions are based on creativity and not necessarily inside information, but you probably do come across it as people that are around do. Where do you draw the line where you won't address something directly on a video, like where, it does, where you're playing the predictor and not the spoiler?
2: Yeah, so I will, I will have a few people reach out to me, uh, whether it's social media or my text me from friends and say, hey, by the way, just so i going to let you know this is happening here or I saw this here. And so then I'll respond and say, OK, can I make a video about it? And they say either yes or no. They say yes, then I look at it as okay, cool. Let's let's hype this up and gain some traction for the, part the new ride. You know, it's every as you guys know, every piece of marketing's good. I mean, word of mouth, fantastic. And so, again, if someone says don't, then you know my lips are. So good. I honestly, I love knowing stuff that people don't don't know, right? So I know a lot of things from other parks that are happening and I I can't post it on the video because I don't I'm not going to get my you know my my colleague in, in in trouble in any way and it's uh it's it's really exciting to have this platform where people come to me for to see what my thoughts are about this and I just try to make the predictions as fun and realistic as possible and I knew I can't see um, a park of a type of coaster a couple years back was announced and I, I i knew about it like a few months before it, it it came to the park but i couldn't say anything about it and so i had to make inaccurate predictions really but i still wanted to get the hype going and then I'm like well maybe there's a coaster coming maybe maybe it could happen but this area of this of america just built there but i mean i guess if it you know if it happens sure you know i'll give it like a 10 percent chance you know
1: so are you but admitting to making again, fake news brandon is that I, what you're
0: telling us
2: <laughs> I'm not. no i'm not making fake news you know but it's just hyping up the uh you know you know get, we'll call it having up fun up. with people yeah I, i'm all about having fun but again if, if, if let's say if ryan worked at you know dollywood and say hey brandon you know 2026 we're going to be i'm hearing a bnm dive don't you know okay cool then my lips are sealed i will never tell anyone but if he says hey by the way you know this is what's happening and and i'm hearing this and you know go make a video then i'm going to go make a video because it's exciting it gets people excited for things um you know i i I, I just try to do it that way so I just try to, you know, have a nice balance of respect for the parks, respect for my my friends or whoever's telling me information. And then a lot of it is just me just predicting my own things, and either they're right or wrong. So it's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's a fun little playing field of different avenues to go.
1: So if you were going to split it up percentage wise, what percentage of your predictions are based off of? somebody saying like hey i'm hearing this go ahead and make a video
2: like five ten percent not many okay so Um, it's pretty rare yeah 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 i mean it's not not too often which i like that too because you know it gives me to to have my own stuff come out of my own ideas and stuff but a 10 you know if that but you know, again, a lot of it is information that I'm not going to disclose because I I don't want to get you know my friends uh, in trouble. Absolutely. I mean, especially working in the park. So I knew, like, at Kings Island, Six Flags, especially, like, you know, you if you if you things on social media, because that was like bro, when I worked at Six Flags, that was like when MySpace was there, and I had a buddy get get fired because he made a comment about. The Wiggles World. Uh, John Manning, right? You met him at my, my, my yep. wedding. He got fired from Six Flags because he commented about the, something like, the Wiggles are just dumb or something like that. And with that year the park opened, the Wiggles World, and I guess corporate did not like it. Now, there could be more to that story. I don't know. But he said he was fired for that reason. And, I'm like, okay, well, that, that sucks. sucks. So I'm like, I'm just going to keep my lips sealed. I'm not saying it But works.
1: when he went down. He went down for the wiggles. That's the most important part. Yeah,
2: he did. <laughs> uh,
0: Brandon, where can people find you on social media with your different channels?
2: Yeah, so I'm in uh, there. I like posting my links for my videos on there. Instagram, I I I post a few things there. And then YouTube. I, I really don't care for Facebook. I post just seldomly on there for basically like links to my videos um awesome so what are the
0: uh, what's the um like under theme park predictions or is there any other things that they have to know to find those channels uh,
2: uh it should be theme park predictions I know like twitter is um t p underscore predictions and then uh instagram is I think just my name. Oh, theme underscore park underscore predictions. Okay.
1: Awesome. Well, Brandon, um, you know, I've known you for, I was thinking about this, it's pushing 20 years. And I think you look at a lot more than I do, uh, because we are both, uh, are you 40 yet? Or are you, are you, have you turned 40?
2: Hey now,
1: Hey, you're that's like, Uh, I'll be 40 on May 30th. What about you? I turned 40 in January.
2: Oh, good for you. So you're already there. I didn't
1: think I would make it. Anyway, Brandon. So Brandon, thank you for thank you for being on the show. Obviously. We I, I love your content personally. I like how it's not to be taken seriously most of the time, but it is very interesting and I like your positive attitude. By the way, what let's real quick before we go, your your thing is keep smiling and keep writing code. What, what what's your little tagline? And how did that come up? Yeah, out? it's
2: uh remember to smile today. They think positive and keep writing. Awesome words to
1: live by. Now, the next segment that we're we're gonna do is a segment where we go through six of the biggest news in the industry. We have big news this week, obviously, that you heard about and everything else. Um, and we kind of discuss the articles and what they mean to uh to to the industry as a whole. Would you like to stick around and discuss that with us? Awesome. Well, thank you, Brandon. Well, once again, this is a segment that we call the Pick Six don take number one away
0: all right this uh past week rmc and larson international they merged i didn't see this coming kind of came out of left field for me Uh, what do you guys think
2: brandon go first uh it's definitely bizarre like i just feel like there's more questions now than answers. I mean, obviously Larson is not in the coaster industry, but they're in the flat rides. So RMC is in the coaster industry, but not the flat ride part of it. So I think it's smart. I think it's RMC's trying to grow. I think this is a good way to grow because obviously that the, they're the larger company of the two as far as you know revenue and everything else. Because the coasters cost a lot more money than a flat ride. Uh, I'm definitely curious to see as to what the, uh, what the plan is for, for the future of the company, because there's a lot, again, it's a lot of questions and, you know, it might be smart. Hope it's for the best. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is, this is very interesting for
1: me being like a business person, because I'm having trouble seeing what they're seeing now from a simple, from a simple standpoint, RMC makes coasters, Larson makes flat rides. Okay. That makes sense to us. But from a business standpoint, I, I don't think that that matters. I think part of it is that, um, Fred Grubb retired and now, um, you know, the, the CEO of Larson announced his retirement along with, uh, with the actual merger. And I think it's maybe a leadership thing. Uh, they mentioned the R and D, but there's no cost saving involved with this because they're retaining Texas and, uh, Idaho for, for their manufacturing. Now you and other YouTubers have all said RMC is the bigger of the two companies, I don't know if that's necessarily yeah. true. I'm not doubting it. But it might not
2: be. What's that? I mean, Larson's been around for a long... It might, it might not be. I mean, Larson's been around for, what, 40, 50 years? The thing, though, is so just
1: because yeah. RMC makes bigger products with a bigger price tag, we don't know what their margins are.
2: True. You know, So, so it true. could be possible
1: they're building $20 million, million coasters and making $800,000 after everyone gets paid, while Larson is making $800,000 per super looper that's going out there. Um, so I, I, obviously, you know, the Larson people are really good people. The RMC people are really good people. So I think that there's something yeah. up the sleeve, but I think that there's going to be more cost cutting involved. They're going to consolidate the two companies. Um. And they're going to be in one location, probably Texas, because it's probably a little bit more tech. It's more centralized in the United States, and there's probably a tax benefit to it. But yeah, super and, and for story. shipping out
2: stuff too, all the track. Oh. I mean, look at Batavia for B It's more central. Yeah, exactly. Too. And then there's there's and, still questions and, involved and because not. they so they're
1: private companies. So we, so we don't necessarily know the terms of the merger. So the the press release implies that it's like a fifty fifty. We're putting it all together, but there's language of with this acquisition. So we don't know if Larson bought RMC, if RMC bought Larson, if one bought stake in the other. I mean, all of this will come to light once it becomes relevant. But it's very interesting what we don't know
0: right now, you know? Yeah, for me, I just think at the end of the day with this, it just makes, you know, enhances both of them as a little bit more of a powerhouse within the industry.
2: Yeah, it's almost like, you know, having the Reds get, you know... Another great player to come to the team. You know, they trade for another great player to help enhance the team out. You know, but you could. The Reds. To, we just need the Reds. to. I know, Don. I follow you on Twitter all the time, and I love what you, all your stuff you post. And it's time. You know, they need to have a good team. I, it's crazy and get city of, you know, Cincinnati, a good baseball squad. And obviously, it's early, in the, early in the year, but it's just crazy. Well, the thing is, Don's a Reds fan. You should know that. Yeah, I like the Reds. I like the Tampa Bay Rays better because they've always been my team since I moved to Florida, but I've always liked the Reds, my second favorite team.
0: Yeah, big Rays fan here too. But, uh, you know, just quickly on the Reds before we get back on topic here is the bullpen has cost them four games already. So I I think, you know, they had some momentum going, but they just couldn't close it out.
1: Yeah, that's tough. Fortunately, the bullpen is something that can be developed over the course of a season. I don't think the World Series contenders, but I think that there is a sparkle of hope, you know? All right. Well, anyway, enough about baseball. More about roller coaster. Okay. So, uh, story number deuce here. Um... Oh, okay, well, so we talked about this earlier, but I do want to dive into it. Poseidon's Fury's closing at Islands of Adventure. They announced it. I think May 8th is the closing date. I'm going to pull up the actual article. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Uh, so that's been the rumor for quite a long time. Uh, it's a 20-minute walkthrough attraction that opened in 1999. closes May 9th, by the way. This is Islands of Adventure at Universal. Um I thought it wasn't going to reopen after COVID, honestly. I thought it was going to be one of those things that slipped through the cracks and we never saw again. What were your thoughts on that, Brandon? As far as the closure or them reopening after COVID? How, so, you know, starting in, let's say, right before COVID, early 2020, did you start I mean, thinking the that the time was been, on...
2: The ride has always been rumored to get something done to it. Because I remember those rumors a long time ago for... Like a Harry Potter uh, roller coaster, like a gore fighter. That was a rumor that I heard a long time ago, probably from Screamscape or something. I don't, I don't even remember where. But I'm like, that'll be cool, you know? Because that whole area could just get rethemed to Harry Potter. But that, then they built Di- Diagon Alley, so there's no need for that. Now they could still do Harry Potter with it, but I don't think they will. I think it's personally. too far from Harry Potter World. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's just I don't think Harry Potter World needs to be that large. And I think the Lost Continent continent is already a really cool um, themed area, you know. So I definitely feel as if they could really do a lot of cool things here if they kept it non-IP or they went IP yeah, with so
1: it. So, Don, we did Poseidon's Fury. Uh, was that your first time doing it when we did it, or had you done it before?
0: No, it wasn't. But, you know, hearing the rumblings over the past few years that, you know, it was kind of maybe on borrowed time, I thought it was important. Uh, to experience it knowing that that yeah. potentially could be my last time
1: yeah well so we had my girlfriend aaron with us uh and shout out to dave althoff who happened to run into us and hang out with us on that ride but uh yeah so for me it was um i always heard it was on borrowed time it it doesn't make sense with the rest of the stuff they have there now it's very dated with that being said that that is one of my favorite attractions so I I understand yeah, that really, the, the it, cogs keep spinning and and that whole thing but it will be sorely missed. I think it was terribly underrated. I think um I was talking to to my girlfriend Erin about it and she was like, "Well, it started off really bad and the last room was awesome." But and I think that's the story of it. The first room's so hokey, the second room's like, "All right." And then the last room. And I'm trying going to try not to spoil it cuz there are people that are going to experience it for the last time over the next several weeks, but the last room is just mind-blowing even in 2023 standards. Awesome. Don, what's next?
0: The next one. Well, due to high demand, uh, once annual passes at Walt Disney World went back on sale, it caused the system to crash. Shocking. I was a little bit surprised that normally when they do these different kind of events or pass holder previews and things, they they have everybody kind of go into a queue. They didn't do that this time. So that surprised me a little bit. But uh, apparently, high demand.
1: Yeah, uh, well, it's a heck of a problem to have for Disney, don't you think? Because it's so uh, it's so high demand that they they couldn't sell them. You know, imagine selling a, a car and it's in such high demand that you have to just tell people no for two years. I think that's pretty incredible. Brandon, are you a annual pass holder for Disney? I know you frequent Florida.
2: Yeah, no, I'm a Universal guy. I would rather ride roller coasters and. I do SeaWorld, Bush Gardens, and I haven't been to Disney since I, I lived, lived there uh, in probably like 2011, 12, we bought passes. Yeah. But, I mean, I I like what they're doing with a lot of the parks, but I just Universal's just, it's all about, to me, Universal's really taken over Florida and with Epic Opening, I mean, I think that people will still buy annual passes for Disney, but you know they, they, for a while there, again, they, they, like you said, you couldn't buy them. So now all of a sudden, they're available again, and so it's like, I just think that's a bad business model, in my opinion. Of course. Well,
1: and Disney's less in your demographic target than Universal, too. Yeah. Don, you, you're a regular Florida guy. Have you ever been an AP holder, or are you going to get one someday? Or I,
0: I, there will be someday, and it'll be both parks, you know, Universal and um, yeah. the Disney parks. Uh, but no, most of the time it was just you know why we go down there, you know, visit the parks for four or five days. Uh, at at disney then a couple of days at universal uh my daughter you know at the when we were going real frequently before covid you know she was at that age where you know we were there together all the time but she's getting married gonna be doing her own things and it's just me and my wife going we're probably gonna be a little bit more inclined to spend more time at universal because she's a big harry potter fan and i'm a big roller coaster fan so it you know makes a little bit more sense if you only have a select number of days down there
1: well yeah and i think that there's um a certain time where it makes sense, you know, just like your, your local park, you know, uh, I remember like Kings Island back, this is years ago that all the numbers have changed greatly, but it was, it pays for itself in two visits. There's probably a mentality yeah. like that with Disney. And it's probably like five visits because, you know, the passes are over a thousand dollars, but it's like 150
2: bucks to get in or, or, or whatever,
1: you it's know, crazy,
2: awesome. Cool. So I have real, real fast, Ryan, I'm going to add a, uh, seventh question to your, your pick six, and that is Ryan, when are you going to be visiting Carowinds?
1: I will go to South Carolina, but not North Carolina.
2: Well, you're going to ride Afterburn, and that's it. Well, Intimidator, and and I'll ride Part of Fury. Now, I, I come on, man. Telling me you've been telling me you're coming down to Carowinds since I moved here. In First of all, this wasn't
1: we agreed to because there's only six in the pick six, and I got blindsided, I was not prepared <laughs> for this. And secondly, uh Aaron has been bugging me about going to Carowind specifically, so you will see us down there this summer.
2: I okay. won't necessarily
1: tell you I'm going, but it, it, <laughs> again, this is why our friends think we hate each other. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, uh, awesome. I'll be there this summer, so I'll, I'll look you up, Brandon. Uh, yeah, you, you'll be
1: there the same that. time as me. Awesome. Uh, then again, we did run into each other <laughs> at a random taco place a couple months ago. All right, so cool, yeah. uh, more good news. So, Boulder Dash getting some Titan track. Let's pull up the details here. So Titan track is a product of, um, great coasters international. It's a, it's like a, a, steel version of wooden track. So it maintains the integrity of a wooden coaster more so than like an RMC conversion would be. Uh, but it makes it a steel. So it makes maintenance and smoothness even better. So for the 2023 season in which, uh, Lake compounds is opening on April 29th, uh, they've installed 580 feet of Titan track. Um, so I have not yet been on Titan track. We did have, uh, Jeff Pike from Skyline attractions who is on the patent for Titan track, uh, on the show. And he, he talked about it in great detail. So I highly recommend looking that up because it was a fantastic conversation, but Don, you made it out to fun spot when we were down there for Iapa. Did you get to ride white lightning and what was your thoughts on the Titan track? I did.
0: Um, it, it's good. I mean, it's a it's a nice, fun, enjoyable experience. It's you know, you, you want to rewrite it because it's not rough. Um, so I, I think it's a good thing. And when you're looking at this particular uh, attraction, you know, Boulder Dash, it is uh, breathing new life into an older coaster. It's going to preserve it for future generations. Uh, so yeah, I'm all excited about this.
1: Yeah, I am too. I, I think it's I think it's awesome. I'm I'm so excited about the future between that and the Gravity Group stuff. Brandon, have you been on any Titan track yet?
2: Uh, I think, uh, yeah, um, what's it called? White, what, White Lightning. Wonder, White fun Lightning. Spot. Yeah, the yeah, White it's right. really good. I wrote it last year. It's solid, and I love Boulder Dash, and I, I'm thrilled that they're putting that much track onto it. It's just going to make the ride even better, so I'm very excited. Boulder Dash, as well as the Titan track and GCI. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. <laughs>
0: Well, talking about, uh, you know, making rides better, the experience, more enjoyable, Universal has patented a new restraint system. We'll start with you, Brandon. What are your thoughts
2: on that? I don't even know anything about that. So if, fill me in if you don't mind. I didn't know. I didn't I...
1: Your crystal ball stinks, Brandon. awesome okay so just to clarify the restraint system there isn't a lot to it uh but essentially what it seems like is it's going to do a better job this is the way i'm interpreting what was reported on it it's going to do a better job of being able to predict (coughs) when like it's got like the mock kind of like um like uh what's the new mock ride at carowinds i i'm I'm drawing. Copperhead a blank. strike. Copperhead strike. You know, it's got like the over the shoulder. You know restraint. that
2: if you've been there, Ryan.
0: Exactly.
1: You know, it's it's really just not a deep memory for
2: me. But um, Ryan, there's more parks out there than Kings Island and Kings Dominion and Cedar Point.
1: First of all, I went to Busch Gardens Williamsburg for the first time. I'm a <laughs> I'm a gold pass member to Dollywood. Thank you. And I'm a good guy to know. So I'm not the same Ryan that I was in 2004. Thank you. Anyway, um, so, but the the, the way that I'm reading the patent is uh, it's a lot like the mock rides restraint where it, it looks like an over the shoulder restraint, but it's actually on, you know, like the lap. So it's a lap bar, but it's a better, it's a, like a sensor system that's better at detecting when it's as shut as it can be. Because a lot of people have to take the walk of shame that probably shouldn't, that probably aren't dangerous to be on but there's no way for a plc to detect all it can say is it's not down far enough this seems like it's it's they're working on a solution for that where you know if if i get on then i can have the same ride experience as somebody that's not even necessarily somebody that's really big but somebody with like thick thighs or just you know weird body proportions where uh, how many people have we seen that like can't fit on fit in a ptc train and it's like really this is what they're trying to accomplish so good on them don what did you get to read the article what, what were your thoughts on it
0: well i mean it's just you know i think it's good number one that you're trying to make it you know those adjustments so you know more guests can ride you know like yeah. you know, especially like let's say universal down there some of the uh tampa bay bucks want to go ride roller coasters well a lot of them can't right now because they are bigger you know this offensive defensive lineman and things like that so i think it's a good thing like that but you know every um you know, every five, 10, 15 years, you know, you're seeing different enhancements and that with restraint systems. So I think that just falls in line with that, that, you know, you're always looking for ways to improve it.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you, you, you made an interesting point. And I was going to say that too, like, cause I remember when we had Jeff Pike on the show, he was talking about the Pischetti bowl and this was before they announced that they had sold any of them or anything like that. This is when they were in pure concept, but he was mentioning that like they designed it so it can accommodate, something like 98% of US riders and US riders, they're, they're big riders. <laughs> they're more like the Tampa Bay Bucks than they are the, you know, Michelle Kwan's out there. But um, yeah, I think it's a good thing. I think that a, a lot of people are turned away. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of an accessibility thing. Um, it, it'd be one thing if you can pin it on like this person's immobilized because they clearly have like a very large weight issue and stuff. And that's, that's a whole other uh, that's a whole other topic, but when it's like a good percentage of people that usually like weight probably isn't a problem in their day to day life, um, I, I think it's cool that they're 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 trying to be more accommodating to more people, you know. And we'll yeah, get there. We we'll, we will be at 100 in ten years. I think that's going to be the cool part about it. Awesome, cool. So, um, f- further news. Uh, so, Splash Mountain finally has a closing date at uh, Disneyland. So it's going to become Princess and the Frog, and they announced that it's closing on May 31st. Um, you know, I don't have much to say on this because I've never been to Disneyland. Uh, I rode Splash Mountain at Disney World, so that's kind of a bummer. I only rode it once. But, Don, you've been to Disneyland. What are your thoughts on this?
0: Well, I mean, you knew it was coming. but then, I mean, I, I'm one of those you know, people that it's one of my first ever Disney attractions, both at Disney. Uh, Magic Kingdom, and also my first visit to Disneyland it was like the, one of the first attractions that I did. So you know, I love it the way it is. Um, but it's been around, time and you know, it's a, it's something that uh, you know, I guess, are gonna, uh, you know, a lot of people are gonna miss it. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it's kind of nice that uh, there's gonna be something a little bit different and a new experience. And you've got a, a whole new age of uh, of Disneyland fans. And uh, Disney World fans, you know, they're all you know those three, four, five year olds now, you know, so it might be a little bit uh, more of a connection with them than what you have right now.
1: Yeah, I don't think the kids have seen Song of the South, but um, the uh, you're right, and and it's it stinks because they've got. Iconic characters, iconic songs. The problem is that, I mean, forget the fact that the IP is terrible, but like, that's off the table. But the fact that nobody's seen it and nobody can really connect with it, especially in the modern audience, is, is that's what's doing it in.
2: Yeah. So it's know? time. Yeah. But it's classic, though. I, it is. I, I see what you guys are saying, but like, it's like them redoing the Matterhorn. Like, I, I would be mad as ever. And that's been open for a lot, you know, I think longer, at least. Yeah, definitely longer. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, I, I'm torn on it. Like, I see why they're doing it. I think it's smart to a point. But also, it's one of those rides that it's just a classic and staple. And you go there to ride that experience. And you, it brings back your childhood memories oh, yeah. of, now yeah. I can bring my kids to ride the same exact ride. And and now they're getting they're you know they're getting rid of that and it's like E. T. Closing at Universal Studios, in Florida. I'd be I'd be really mad if they would do that. I mean, obviously they probably will eventually, but I, I think they should, I, I don't I'm torn.
1: Yeah, I, you, you know, you know, anytime the they remove way ride, they're... I think there's an argument though for what you're saying. You know, if, yeah. if it's five years old, maybe not, but something that like zippity doo is Disney World and is Disneyland. I, I totally see where that's coming from.
2: Yeah,
0: you know, Brandon. Like for me, I mean, just a ton of memories. You know, and you said it's iconic. Uh, you know, uh, when you I've, think of Disneyland or Walt Disney World and Magic Kingdom, both is mean, one well. of the first things that um, come to mind. Yep. Um, with that, I've but I will both say both. this: Thanks. that uh, you know, I always have this this thing where you know, I feel that it's you know, it is okay to respect history, but you can't revere it, and you got to keep moving yep. forward.
1: Yep. Yep, exactly fair. now uh so i had a discussion with brandon earlier and he said in the interest of fairness since we're drilling him with questions he has a couple questions for us so brandon are you prepared to do this
0: <laughs>
1: Yep. let me pull them up here this will be fun don because we haven't really been on the receiving end of questions yet
2: <laughs> all right so here it is where do you guys see the podcast this time next year and what are your podcast goals And how can I help in any way?
0: You know, I mean, it grows a little bit each week. I see the podcast becoming, um, I think, more interactive with our audience. I think I see it, uh, you know, having, you know, maybe once a month sprinkling in uh, some YouTube lives and, uh, you know, making it more, again, you know, that audience participation interactive, letting, you know, uh, our audience ask us the questions just like you are right now. Um, I see our social channels being a big part. Of what we're doing, you know, with Twitter continuing to grow, um, you know, doing things like with YouTube shorts, those kind of yep. things. So it's not just that weekly podcast, I think there's a lot of other things. I see it uh, evolving into where maybe three or four times a week there's different content that we're putting out there on YouTube with you know these quick hits, these four or five minute uh, type things when something does break in the industry that, you know, like we're doing here with the pick six are we're, we're just focusing on that. Um, so I, I, just think, you know, the, the, when you do it once a week, you know, you, you can build your following, but I think you need to be a lot more frequent, um, for us to, to grow it to where Ryan and I both believe it can go.
1: Yeah, I completely yep. agree. And I would say that, you know, to narrow down specific goals, um, my short-term goal, something I want to do in the next like year or so. And this is something that I pitched to Don because I had this, I saw this in a dream of all things. And I was like, that would be really cool is, uh, it'd be cool to do the podcast, like record the podcast, broadcast it live, but also pipe it through speakers at like an enthusiast event, like a Coaster Mania or, uh, like the Coaster Crew thing at Dollywood this weekend or something like that. That would be really neat to do that because it would be, You know, just have it so people in line for whatever rides open can hear it. And maybe people can submit questions or yell out questions, or we can grab a random person and have, I think that would be really fun. So that would be like a short-term goal. Uh, And then a a longer-term goal that Don and I have talked about from day one is we want to do this so at least we're in person. Um, I have the editing capabilities to do like really cool stuff as you know, you and I have actually discussed quite a bit, Brandon, but there's only so yeah. much you can do with, you know, popping back and forth over Skype and, you know, there's quality issues and there's sound issues and stuff like that. So Don and I, um, once, you know, if, if and when the podcast starts making money, our big investment is going to be, we want to maybe like rent a space and soundproof it and kind of make it our studio. And then if we have a guest on, maybe have them over an electronic channel of some sort, but we can be on and we can do multicam and stuff like that. That's where I really want it to be because I feel like we've got all the, the horses, uh, in the barn and they're ready to be let out for that. It's just a matter of the resources yeah. to do so as far as how you can help Brandon, you being on the show is, is helps us greatly. I'm so excited that you are able to come on. This is the second time we've tried to do this. It didn't work out the first time, but, um, you know, uh, if you can promote us through your channels you've got a following um and anybody that wants yeah. to hop on and hear because uh, they want to hear your handsome voice and see my sweaty face because it gets hot in here for no reason at all uh then that would be fantastic i i really appreciate and anything that you do and, and i do appreciate your work as well brandon i yeah, agree that. with
0: that uh, you know brandon just you know just letting people know we exist
2: good Well, that of course i'll be happy to do that. and finally um, theme parks, obviously like everywhere else since COVID have been battling staffing issues. Uh, I've seen that pretty much every year besides Florida parks. Um, what do you guys think the future is or how can theme parks battle issues? Uh, because obviously it not only are we paying a lot more per employee. I mean, when I worked at Kings Island, I made $6, dollars six fifty an hour. You know, so now they're paying 15 17 bucks an yeah. hour, which is yeah. a lot more money. Like, how can theme parks? Is it concerns me? You know, walking through the parks and seeing rides closed, or you know, this show not an operation. that was like, what the heck? You know, how, how how what do you think the future is as far as is, is there a silver lining on it? Is it is it worries me? You know. Yeah, Don, you want to go first?
0: I think it's a valid concern. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's not just theme parks. It's everywhere that you go. I mean, you go through a fast food place, you know, there's one or two people working when there used to be 15. Um, I went through one the other day and it was one person was working the drive through. They took the order, then they went and put the food on the thing. And then he said, "Oh, you know, park over here and I'll bring it out to you. Cause there was only one person working and one person inside the register. So it's not just our industry. I think it's everywhere. I think, uh, you know, people got used to not working. Yeah. Uh, during COVID or working from home and finding those kind of things to do. But, you know, it's rebounding. I think it's getting better. I think you're seeing those levels across the industry getting better um, some other places, but it's going to take time, you know, and and I think that, uh, you know, maybe another year or two, you know, we'll be back to maybe where we were in 2018, 19, uh, which was still a struggle back then. But I think, uh, you know, it's going to get back to that point again.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is if if we could work on, you know, automize the, um, what's it called? Get removing some uh, positions to make it so you can do food, obviously. You know, type in what you want, scan your pass, pay your credit card, then you wait in line for the food. One's has the new, Don, um, you, you got to come down and check out Aeronautical Landing. It's beautiful. No, oh, I plan to. Job with it. Um, But Terminal A, the new restaurant, it's not on the meal plan, unfortunately, but I wanted to go and, get a drink and try out some of the food with the, my family last week. And so you just scan the barcode on the table, then you order on the Carowinds app and then food comes out five minutes later. It's great. And it's like, this is easy. You know, so I think there's a lot you of things can of that can do with that. Yeah. And I, think a lot of it too, my opinion, as an operator, you know, less people working on the coaster platforms and real, and more on the safety of the computer uh, you know, when Orion has a screen so it just tells you which seats are locked. Disney doesn't have people checking restraints. They just pull them down, they do visually checks, then they they dispatch, you know. Not saying Cedar Fair or Six Flags or other parks should do that. You know, it might it might cut down on some positions because obviously these parks, you know there's so many employees, not just operations, but behind the scenes and food, games, security it's pretty crazy to how many people, you know, I, I, we've all worked in the park or Ryan, you've been to park so many times, you know, exactly too. And there's just a lot that there's a lot of people that have to come together to make the park operational.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, and I remember Don, you and I had a discussion uh, early COVID. We were texting and you used a, th- a term that I absolutely hate. And I remember arguing with about it just because this gets under my skin. When people say the new normal, I hate that because that, that makes me think of like, oh, they dropped the nuclear bombs and so the new normal is nuclear winter. But you know with, with all events and with time, things change regardless of what happens. And I think that um, automation is a huge thing that did happen. That's the first thing that popped on my head when you asked your question, Brandon. Um, if you look yeah. at like McDonald's and stuff, you, well, I mean, yeah. I went to, uh, on my way out of uh, Pigeon Forge uh, a couple of weeks ago, we stopped at Taco Bell. And it was like three kiosks and they said, basically hit this button if you want to pay in cash and have a cashier. So they make it almost more inconvenient. But I I, I also, I think I I like that though, you know, and I'm not a big fan of like people losing their jobs to machines or whatever, but the fact that I can go through and take my time and look at the menu and decide what I want and delete stuff and add stuff. To me, that's a huge benefit. You know, and that's why I like ordering pizza through an app too, because like, okay, who wants pepperoni? No, you don't like sausage? Okay, we won't do sausage. You know, you can't do that on the phone, you
2: know. Um, but as far... Yeah, it takes more time. And we went to, right down the street from us, uh, they opened up a new, I think it was Longhorn mm-hmm. Steakhouse. And so we wanted to go do it. And um, and at the end, the service was slow because they didn't have staff. And I'm very much more respectful nowadays with people, and I always say thank you for working. Uh, I don't take money off the tip because they're, you know, they're they're trying the best they can. And they had this the little thing at the our table: scan here to pay. And normally before, I hated that stuff. Like I know Olive Garden has it, and like Red Lobster, they have the little black kiosk thing, mm-hmm. whatever it is mm-hmm. on the table. And I always hate. I always say nope. I want to pay personal to you because I'm a I, I like that interaction. And, but now it's like. That's one more step for that 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 waitress or waiter to come back to my table to, to do this, then I can just do it on the computer, you know, on the my phone, pay it on the, my phone or whatever how it was. I, I get it now. You know, I don't like it, but to help them out, because they're overwhelmed with all the you know, I'm okay with it, but yeah, I think I definitely feel like the parks have got to focus more on streamline, you know, Eliminating certain positions and focusing on, you know, return on the revenue because you're paying more employees and you have to. People aren't showing up to work. Then rights can't open. Like, you know, I'm not saying that to eliminate every every position, but I think there has to be a, you know, technology based going forward uh, in the in the theme parks because there's really not there's really like. Entertainment or or businesses that offer this many. I mean, like the Red Stadium, great you know, Great America. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot of employees, but not hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I mean, for theme parks, there's so many, and so you have to have so many people going to work. It just it's 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 a lot. So I'm I'm very curious to see what the parks are doing, and I'm I'm you know I'm here to support however I can. Well.
1: But appreciate
2: that. Good
1: time. Was that your last question, Brandon? Or did you have more?
2: No, I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, that's uh, get down to Carowinds. Carowinds, they're doing a great job with Aeronautica. Very excited for the future. And I love what Cedar Fair is doing for Carowinds. And, you know, just get out and support the parks, you know, as they need it. And obviously, work at a park if you want to. I highly recommend it. And check out the podcast and theme park predictions.
1: Perfect. I will link to okay. your stuff in the descriptions below. Perfect. Awesome. Don, any final words of wisdom?
0: No, it's been fun. Thanks for joining us, Brandon.
2: Hey Don, pleasure. I mean I met you, I think, once with Ryan actually by i Street Fountain a couple of years back. Yeah. But... Awesome. Well, Brandon, thank you
1: once awesome. again for uh for being on the show. Really appreciate it. So he's theme park predictions on Brilliant, YouTube. Guys. Um, and I will link to your stuffs in the description, but Brandon, once again, thank you so much for being on the show, Don, thanks for co-hosting. Uh, it's been a pleasure, everyone. Sorry. It's a day late. It's been a busy week. Uh, but we'll see you next time. Bye.